Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. It's my privilege today to be delivering the Word. Um, Like Curtis said earlier, we're going to be talking about uh, the book of Judges. We're going to be diving back into the book of Judges, and it's going to be focusing on um, Barak and Deborah. And uh, the title that I've I've chosen is Great is Thy Faithfulness, because isn't God faithful? He's faithful to us even when we mess up, even when we screw up time and time again. He is still faithful to us. So last week, Josh Fillmore, uh, who, by the way, if you didn't hear it in the announcements, there is a meeting tonight. Tonight, if you are a member, you need to be there. This is a very important step for our church. He will be, we will have a meeting at seven o'clock tonight, and we're voting whether or not he's going to be our potential third pastor. So if you haven't thought about it, maybe that really needs to be a priority for tonight for you guys to be here. It's a huge step for FBC. And we are walking out in faith. But anyway, he introduced the book of Judges to us. And Josh mentioned that it's a very graphic book. This is a book about killing and murdering and sexual immorality um, and uh, just, it's one of those really gruesome books that back in the day, your parents would hide that in the sock drawers so your kids wouldn't read it. Um, or if, it, if each book of the Bible had a rating, this one would be like rated R. Um, but Josh mentioned that the Israelites were in this toilet effect. They're in this con- continual spiral, a downward spiral. And that they continued to do the, the thing that they shouldn't have done over and over again. And... Um, and they were in that repetitive cycle. I wanted to use a plunger analogy, but I had to remind myself I'm not talking to the youth group. I used it, and it fell flat. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is the, um, the gospel project has this A, B, C, D, E pattern. And each letter stands for a, a, a spot in this pattern. And um, so let's go through this pattern and then see see where they're going with it. So A stands for apostasy. And apostasy means uh, that when the Israelites were were in the land of of the the promised land, they started to fall away from God. They turned their back on God and they started following other gods. So like they, they forgot about the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the big G-O-D. And they started following little G-O-Ds like the God of thunder and the God of the water and the God of the sun. Like they started following these gods. And, and our God is, is a jealous God and he wants us to want him. And, and so... When they turned their back on God, this brought on B, as in, and it stands for bondage. They would experience a period of bondage. God would be angry with the Israelites. 
and he would give them into the hands of the oppressors. And like last week, uh, it was uh, Fat King Eglon, and as Jalen has forever ruined this sweet holiday drink, he calls him Fat King Eggnog, and I can never look at it the same way again. But Josh eloquently put it, hefty versus lefty. We learned about that last week. And uh, this week, we're going to hear about King Jabin and Sisera. And these are the two that are going to be oppressing the Israelites. Um, that we're going to, that's what we're going to be learning about. But we're going to move on because when they are oppressed, then the Israelites remember how good God was. And they see, they cry, they cry out for a Savior. They, they cry out for someone to deliver them. So the next is D. They, deli- they find a deliverer. God will raise up a judge and send out the Israelite, uh, send, save the Israelites from their oppressor. And then that, that judge will then uh, will ease them. So this is E. They will ease them back into the land uh, that they were oppressed from. And uh, the judge will defeat the oppressor. And there will be a period of peace until they start this cycle all over again. So I have a question for everybody here. Now, God has spoken, has God ever spoken to you by someone either audibly saying, you know, here's what I I see in you. Or you feel the presence of God move in such a way that you cannot ignore that this is God working in your life. You know, I think most of us can raise our hand to that, that someone's either spoken to us or that God has moved in your life. Now, there's the other side of it is you hear these things, who's either ignored that out of fear or believing it wasn't God? I know I can raise my hand for both, pretty much. And I think most of us can. But the point I'm trying to make is we need to be positioning ourselves to receive, positioning ourselves to receive what God has for us. He has equipped each and every one of us with a gift that he has uniquely placed in us. Because we're here not for our own purposes, but for the purposes of God and to glorify him. Amen? Like it says in 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 10 to 11, it says, As each has received a gift, used to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one speaks, as, uh, speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one serves by the strength that God supplies in order that every, everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So my question to you this morning, are we positioning ourselves, are we positioning ourselves to receive what God has for us? So I I just want you to take this one point in. If you walk away today and remember nothing about what I said, remember this. Just hear me out. God positions ordinary people and provides them with extraordinary gifts to bring him glory. We're ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary God. 
We don't possess anything special unless God gives it to us. We don't have anything that's amazing unless God gives it to us. Give him the glory that he deserves. Can we pray one more time? Heavenly Father, I pray that um, my words just be your words this morning. And Father, that uh, as we dive into the book of Judges, Father, that we see your glory in your hand through all of it. And your faithfulness to those people, Father. And your faithfulness over us. So Father, I just, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this message that you've laid on my heart. And God, I just pray that... Uh, the, uh, those who are here, their hearts are ready to receive it, Father, and their minds are ready to uh, hold on to it, Father. So, Father God, I pray that um, you be here in your, and we feel your presence. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we read through the book of Judges, we're reminded of how God, uh, great God's faithfulness is to us. We are only in chapter 4 of Judges. And we have already seen four out of the 12 judges out of the book of Judges. And when we end with Deborah, we're in about year 200-ish out of their 400-year downward spiral. So if you want to turn to uh, chapter 4 in the book of Judges, uh, we'll, we'll break into the book here. So we find... Uh, God has used King Jabin of Canaan along with the army commander Sisera and to oppress the people of, of Israel. But once again, we see the pattern unfold, people crying out for relief. They've been oppressed, they've been held down, and now they're getting ready to cry out for relief. So if uh, you'll start in verse 4, and we'll read on till 7. But uh, this time when the Israelites cry out for a deliverer, it's maybe not who they expected. So let's read. It says, Now Deborah, prophetess, the wife of uh, Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up for judgment. She spent... Um, and summon, she sent and summons Barak, the son of Abinadam, from Kadesh of Naphtali, and, sent, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded you to go? Gather your men and, at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun? And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you there in River Kishon? With, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him over into your hand. I want you to remember there's a question mark at the end. So as you see up there, there's a question mark. Just remember that. We're not going to talk about that yet. So here we see Deborah using her gifts given to her by God to bring him glory. God gave Deborah the gift of prophecy, as well as to be a wise judge, judging the Israelites. But here's the crazy part. Let's, let's think about in the context of today. If Deborah was a judge or someone of authority in today, would that be really crazy? Not really. There's lots of female judges in the judicial system now. There's lots of, of 
uh, female um, CEOs and, and whatnot. There are a lot of women in positions of leadership. Now, Deborah, go back a few thousand years, was in a patriarchal society. This is where a woman would not have much of a voice, if any at all. But yet God is using her to be a voice to the Israelites. And uh, one thing I want to draw to your attention is um, how many other, does, does anybody know how many other judges and um, prophets combined at the simultaneous at the same time? Who was a prophet and a judge? There was only three recorded in scriptures. You know who the other two were? One, I think we know very well, his name is Moses. And the other would be Samuel and Deborah. That's an extraordinary God. How amazing is that, that when we learn to trust in God and listen to his leading in our lives, how he can use us in extraordinary ways. The other part that I gathered from this passage was Deborah was asking Barak a question. Remember I told you to remember that question mark. It was a question. Has he not? Has the Lord not, of the, the Lord God of Israel commanded you to go? Like, has he not told you to go? Like, come on, Barak. Get up. Get your guys. Go to Mount Tabor and wait. He's telling you to go. Haven't you not heard him? But what Deborah might have uh, missed was that might have not have been Barak's giftings. Deborah had the giftings of prophecy, but Barak could have been a great warrior, a great leader, but didn't have his ear to God like Deborah did. So Barak has his gifts. She has her, Deborah has hers, her gifts, just like we all have our own gifts. Like, I'm, I may be not the most eloquent speaker, but yet I'm up here today. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> but God has given me a gift, and I have chosen to use it. God has given other people gifts, like the, the musicians up here. They've given them a wonderful gift. A wonderful gift. They're choosing to use it for God's goodness and glory. And that is what I, I want to challenge you today with, is God has given you a gift. Are you leaning in and listening what that gifting is? Are you finding out what you're good at? Are you listening to other people that are around you to tell you, maybe you should try this? Because God's calling you to do something. What that is, I can't tell you right now. But God is calling you to do something to bring him glory. So, if we are going to be faithful to God, we need to be used by God for who we are. Like David is using Saul's armor. That's just not going to work. David was not meant to fit in Saul's place exactly. David was not meant to put on Saul's armor. He just, it didn't work. So if we look, Let's just take a quick peek into, Samuel, into David's story. So that's 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 40. And it said, Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a cloak of mail. 
And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he, tied it, and he tried in vain, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off, and he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. See, God had a plan for David. It wasn't meant to be exactly who Saul was. Throw on my armor and go beat that giant. No, God had a plan for David. It was to be who David was meant to be. David was a simple shepherd boy, used in an extraordinary way by God. So can I say today that when we listen to God, some of the things may sound crazy, like standing up to a fully armored giant with a sling and a smooth rock. That sounds crazy. But when we serve an amazing God who stands with us in the battlefield, we serve an amazing God who stands with us. We need to have that childlike faith. A childlike faith in trusting God with all we have. I want to share a quick story uh, over Easter. April and I were kind of sitting at the Easter table at our family dinner. And we're talking to my brother-in-law and her brother, obviously. Um, but we had the kids sitting over to the side and they're sitting at their little table having their Easter dinner. And we're having our conversation with, with each other. And, and all of a sudden you hear Aiden. I don't know where he got it from. I don't know what brought it up. But he was pounding his cousin with the gospel. <laughs> like, did you know that Jesus died on the cross for you? Did you know that, that Jesus, he, he, he took all your sins? Did you know that there was three people on those crosses? Did you know that one person, you know, accepted him as a savior right there on the cross? And it's never too late. You can go to heaven. He was bang on. I don't know why he took that opportunity, but he did. He was leading through God, leading him. And he was bang on. Now, his, this is from coming from a seven-year-old, trying to tell a five-year-old. And the five-year-old's response was, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to stay with my mom and dad. <laughs> All right, we'll work on that. But he understood. He got it, and he shared it. How amazing is that? When we lead the way God calls us to be leading. So let's go back um, to the verse at hand in Judges. Deborah called Barak to get his 10,000 men to face Sisera. But what we didn't read before was that Sisera had 900 iron chariots. That, were, that was like high-tech knowledge, like high-tech technology. That was like tank technology of today. These things were armored. They were swift. They were quick. They were intimidating. You go in with 900 chariots against 10,000 men, that would be like taking tanks against 
10,000 people with pistols. You're not going to win. It's not going to look good. So as we read on in, in verse 8, it said, Barak said to her, well, if you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. As you can see, even though Deborah has been a, a, a figure in, in the, with the Israelites of leadership and, and uh, as a prophet, so knowing that she had that line with, with God, he still had a hard time believing her. He still had a hard time trusting in God. He's like, God, you know, if you go before me, I will go. I think we can relate to Barak in that moment, though. Because sometimes we want God to go first. We want him to make that step of faith before we do, and then we'll follow. But let me uh, share something with you. That's not faith. Faith isn't saying, God, if you go do this, 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 and this, I'll believe you and I'll go. Giving him a, a laundry list of things to do before you walk out in faith, that's not faith. Like if God's like, go talk to that person and, and tell them about me. Well, God, if I don't want to be a pusher, so maybe if you bring him to me, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. Or, you know, go to Bible college and uh, become a pastor. Well, God, if my current situation doesn't really work out, maybe I'll give that a shot. But that's not faith. I'm not saying God still won't use you. But wouldn't it be better to be obedient? Like, I'm, I'm using this whole Bible school pastor thing because that, that was me back in high school. I was in youth group. We had a pastor that was moving on to another church. We were having a, a, a farewell party for him. And we got to say some things that we liked about him and how we are going to miss him. And mine was, you've inspired me to go to Bible college. And I, I think I want to be a pastor. And then I met a girl. And then we, she didn't believe in Jesus. That was partly my fault. Not, not seeing that as important figuring I can change that but I fell away for years until then I turned my back so I was at that A and I stopped listening to God and then I was in that period where I was totally turned away angry and feeling like I was attacked so I'm in that B phase moving into C and I cried out to God God I just need you in my life again and then he presented a friend. Look at that, thanks. I asked for it, we didn't know if we could do it, and I, I just, we have awesome operators. Um, so then I went into that sea to cry out to God. I said, God, and I had a good friend of mine um, meet me at the academy, and I have never met him before in my life, at the police academy, and he said, do you know Jesus? I think we need to talk. And uh, we prayed. We prayed hard. And uh, brought me back to church. Brought me back to knowing who God was. Um, he raised, I cried out and he raised up a deliverer in my life. 
He wasn't the only one. Um, God raised up my wife. She took me and drug me to all the places that she was going to. All these ministries that she went to got me grounded and rooted, brought me here. And then God raised up this church, this family of families to surround me and lift me up and, and grow me into who I am today. Like I, like I said earlier, I shouldn't be standing here. Uh, my plan was not to be a pastor, but God said, remember that time? Remember when you said, you didn't listen, but I'm going to use that anyway. And then he eased me into his presence. So let's go back into Judges again from there. We're in verse 9 and 10. And then um, she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at, the, at his heels. And De uh, Deborah went up with him. So here we see God using Barak still. He's still being used. But um, even though he wasn't listening exactly. I know we have, you know, I have a hard head. I do. I can admit that. My wife can attest to that. I have a hard head. I will not listen sometimes, but God still uses me. I just think it's easier, like I said, when we listen the first time. And I came across this quote from A.W. Tozer because this is what happened with the Israelites at the same time. And it says, The weakness of so many modern Christians is that we feel so much at home in the world. And that's A.W. Tozer. The weakness of so many modern Christians is that we, they feel too much at home in the world. We start to forget about our God and start becoming comfortable in the things of the world because it's easier. See, we get comfortable with those worldly things. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to make waves. So we ignore what God has for us. However, Barak still had his 10,000 men, 10,000 men, and still needed to have faith that God would be with them in that battle. That's still a huge, huge leap of faith when you think about it. Because remember, Sisera still had 900 iron chariots. How are you going to come and surpass that? How are you going to win against that? So as you read on in verse 14 and 16, they would all need to step out in faith. All 10,000. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? She's asking a question again. Come on, Barak, wake up. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots. That's a big word, all his chariots. And all his army fell before Barak's edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army of, uh, to Harish, Harisheth Hagoyim. 
And all the army of Sisera fell at the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. Seems like God is like playing a practical joke on me and gave me all those crazy words. <laughs> it's like, ha, say aluminum. So, but Barak needed to have trust and obedience in the Lord, but he struggled with it. You can tell there was a little bit of fear in the way Barak tested Deborah. There was a little bit of fear that, that you know, mm, you know what, Deborah, if you go with me, I'll go. But if we remember in verse 9, um, oh, excuse me, I want to back up because I, I missed a point that I wanted to make. God doesn't need us to be fearless, but he needs us to have trust in him. That's one of those, one of those um, ones that I didn't want to miss. God doesn't need us to be fearless, but he needs us to have trust in him. Barak wasn't fearless. He was not fearless. He had a hard time trusting in God. He put those parameters around saying, you know what, if you go with me, I'll go. If you, if you do this, then, then I'll go. Um, and, that's, and that seems to be what we do with God a lot. If you do this, if, if you do this, I will go. We need to trust in him more. So if you remember again in verse 9, Deborah told Barak that he would not have the victory in the battle, but a woman will defeat Sisera. And uh, it mentions in verse 17 that Sisera fled away on foot. So a few things we need to notice here that there, um, uh, Sisera was no longer in his chariot, and it was believed that for two reasons. There's two reasons they believed that. Um, his army was in panic before Barak even attacked them. God did that. God, God threw those 900 chariots, charioteers into panic before Barak even drew his sword. Because um, if you look at the word rooted, or routed, excuse me, the root of that is uh, they def means to defeat and cause to retreat in disorder. They were routed. They, they were in disorder. And second... If you read further, a little bit further in uh, chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, it says, The Lord, when you went down, so these are uh, Deborah and Barak singing a song of praise to the Lord. It says, Lord, when you went out from um, Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, and even Sinai before the Lord of the God of Israel. The chariots were literally stuck in the mud. They were rendered useless. So one, they were put into a panic. Two, they were rendered useless. So how many people you figure you can stick into a chariot? I'm going at two, max. So you're looking at Sister's army being outnumbered, at like 11 to 1 or like 5 to 1. Now that's unbeatable odds, right? But the battle wasn't won yet. Sister got away. He ran away. He was, he was in panic. So we're going we're to keep going through the chapter in chapter 4 a little more. And the, we're going to see the, pro, the prophecy of Deborah come to fruition. 
So in 17 to 22, it says, But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, or Heber, the Kentite, for there was peace between Jabin and King Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kentite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her and into the tent. She covered him with a rug and said to her, Please give me water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened up a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. So she now gave him a drink of milk. Uh, Just a note to the kids, don't take milk from strangers. Um, And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent, and if anyone comes and asks you, is anyone here, say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took the tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. This is where the kids need to plug their ears and go la, la, la. Um, But listen, when she went softly and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. Thank you for making that point. <laughs> and, and behold, as Barak was pursuing Sesera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, so she went out to Barak and said, come, I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So, when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in his temple. Wow. That's crazy how that happened. But yet it makes Deborah's point. You don't do what God asks you to do. We're still going to make it happen. And we're going to still use you in the way you need to have it to be done. But... Uh, Things always don't go the way you hope the plan. Glory be going to Barak. Everything actually went from that point on, if you noticed, because her, her prophecy came to fruition. Where'd the glory go? To the Lord. Everything then went to the Lord. All glory and honor is his. How amazing is that? So we bypassed at the beginning a little bit of some of the geographical kind of history of where jail was and how that got there. But that really wasn't the point. I just wanted to make that clear. That that wasn't a point. That was some kind of uh, history buffs uh, dream there. But it didn't make much of a point. Because the point is how Deborah declares um, Israel was going to see victory. That is the point. It happened exactly how she said it was going to happen. And it was at the hands of jail. Sisera came into Jael's tent because of the treaty between King Jabin and Heber. Jael had the trust of Sisera, who was exhausted from battle. Sisera was literally laid out on a silver platter. God laid him out on a silver platter. And said, here you go. And then God directed Barak where to go from there. And Jabin's like, come on in. I got your guy. Let's see him. And, 
and again, like I said, where did all the glory go to? God, right there. Right at that moment, glory all went to God because everything came to fruition. So God positioned Jabin where she needed to be and gave her the strength to do what she needed to do so the Israelites could be eased back into peace. So I'm going to quote from a commentary that I was studying with. Um, and it said, God is a source of salvation. He frequently uses human instruments to bring his saving help. But in such a way that the instruments reveal rather than obscure God's, uh, God as the giver of salvation. So, I'll say that last part again, but in such a way that the, that the instruments reveal rather than obscure God as the giver of salvation. So let's go back quickly into chapter 5. This is Deborah and Barak's song of praise. So let's read a little more into uh, verse 9 and 11. It says, My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Tell of it you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way, to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous trumpets of the Lord, or triumphs of the Lord, and the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates marched the people of the Lord. This is a song of praise. They are praising God for his faithfulness. And just as we can do the same, we can praise God for his faithfulness to us. Because I'm sure if I, if I were to just like ask any one of you, there would be something that you could share with me. Because we did it not too long ago. A few of us got together and we just talked about what's God doing? What, how do you see God using you? And praise moment after praise moment after praise moment after praise moment. God is using each and every one of us here. As I was reading the passage and studying the book of Judges, I was reminded of a verse in Lamentations and, and a song called, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And they go hand in hand. And the verse uh, in Lamentations is a 3, 22 to 23, and it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. If this verse doesn't speak to the book of Judges, I really don't know what does. God is so faithful to the Israelites even when they are rotten. God is so faithful to us even when we don't deserve it and how rotten we are. And the song, like I said, goes with it too. Uh, God and... and uh, I'm just going to read some of the lyrics here. And it says, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. If you can sing it, go ahead. I'll just read it. I'll leave the singing to my wife. There is no shadow of turning to thee, with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion, thy fail not. As thou hast been, thou will forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hath provided me. 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great unto me. Thank you, guys. Now I have that song stuck in your head. You're welcome. Let me close with this. We all have a part to play when we live by faith. We need to minister to those around us in faith. We don't have to go through everything. We don't have to win every battle. But we need to have faith. We need to live by faith. We have a battle to fight. We have a faith fight that we are in. That we are called to battle every day until the Lord calls us home. God has called us to be a part of this family. Because you're all sitting here. You're called to be a part of this family. You are all given gifts to use to be a part of this family. Because not everyone is going, as it says in, you know, not everyone's going to be a hand, not everyone's going to be an eye. Somebody needs to be the pinky toe to keep the balance. But you all have a part in the body to play. And um, he has given us all gifts to use. We must live by faith using our gifts to bring him glory. No matter what we take by faith, or no matter what we do, we must trust in God. We must trust in God. When our week is going crappy, and our manager's breathing down on our neck, and you think you're going to lose your job, you must trust in God. When your school week is going to a bust, and you think you're going to fail your exams, study and trust in God. God. God is positioning us all and providing us with extraordinary gifts to bring him glory. Will you stand with me? I just want to say no matter what the mess you're in, no matter where you are, God is ready to use you. Will you allow him to use you? So if, if something this morning I said stirring, stirring in your heart and you're going a thousand beats a minute and you feel someone's talking to you right now, I encourage you that God wants to use you. God wants to see you ease into his presence.
God wants to use you in his presence. You can come and talk to me about that. We have a wonderful retired pastor who would love to just chat your ear off. Doug? He's retired now, so he's got all kinds of time. May even take you for a drive in his Mustang. Please, take me for a drive in your Mustang. And we have great um, elders here. Keith, Jerry, who had, would love to speak to you. I'll be out in the lobby later. And if there's something you want to talk to me about, feel free. Because God is ready to accept you into his presence and ease you into his grace. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are a good, good father. And you are so faithful to us that you allow us to mess up and be rotten time and time again. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, unto me. That we are able to just accept your grace as it is because of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. Bore all those iniquities on himself so that we may have your grace and your presence in our life. Father, we are thankful for that. And we praise you for that. Through the mess, through the troubles, and through the trials. We praise you, Father. We praise you in the grace, and the goodness, and the glory, too. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, I just pray that it be poured out on us right now. Your faithfulness, and your grace, and your mercy. Father, I pray that they be new every day and every morning. Father, thank you for your son who took those sins from us. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you, guys, and what a joy it has been sharing the gospel with you. And uh, I pray that you have a blessed week.